The reason why we share our faith is that God is in the speaking. Verbalization is always associated with the gospel. It is the gospel message and articulation and the content of the message go together. The power is not found in the presentation, the power is found in the message. Hello and welcome to Living a Legacy featuring Crawford Lorenz. At the center of Crawford's 50-some years of ministry is this proclamation of the gospel. He has served as a pastor, conference speaker, seminary professor, and author. His books include Unshaken, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, and Leadership as an Identity. Crawford retired from church ministry a few years ago, but now heads the leadership mentoring program known as Beyond Our Generation. And he joins us now. Crawford, good to see you again. Good to be with you, Bill. In a few moments, your message titled, Why We Should Share Our Faith. Now, it seems like this should be a given when we become followers of Christ, but so often it moves its way to the back of our priorities. You know, we naturally gravitate toward a private Christianity. Uh, We tend to reduce Christianity to just my personal relationship with Christ. And we get nervous and uh, a little bit apprehensive about sharing that with others as if we're intruding on their private personal Mm -hmm. space. But there's something bigger at stake, and that's what we're driving at in this message. Now, this will be the first of two parts about sharing our faith, the second part next week. Today, we'll start to look at seven reasons why we should regularly share our faith. And there are probably many more, but these are core, aren't they, Crawford? Yes, they are. I mean, there's amazing reasons. You go from Genesis to Revelation, you probably come up with a a 1,015 other reasons why. (laughs) It is central to everything that we are. All right, let's head to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 15. Here's Crawford Loritz on Living a Legacy. Paul is talking about the aroma that comes from us. In verse 15, he says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? What the Apostle Paul is saying, it's right in the middle of an illustration that he's given of Roman soldiers who would come back after being away on the battlefront in the battle theater. They would come back to the city of Rome, and as they would come back in the city of Rome, uh, and behind the generals as they would march through the city would be a long line of captives. The pagan temple doors would be open and the incense would be burning from the pagan temples and, you know, the army could be a mile or more away and they would start smelling the incense coming out of these temples and there would be garlands of flowers and it was absolutely wonderful. But in these two verses that I I read to you, and I really want us to get a hold of this because it's going to answer a big question as we move forward in the message today. In these two verses that I just read to you, the Apostle Paul is grabbing hold of attention. Sometimes we read that verse and we just grab a hold of the positive, but there's a negative in that verse, in those two verses too. It says, we are a Roman to Christ, right? What he's saying is that we, we, we carry with us both a scent and a smell. For those soldiers who had been away in battle for more than a year or so, and they were coming back home, and they smelled the incense coming out of those pagan temples and the garlands of flowers, that fragrance was a welcome home, the sweetness of being home, the sweetness of victory. Uh, But think, those captives who were being led into the city, that was not a scent, it was a smell. 
It was the stench of embalming fluid that reminded them that they had been captured. And what Paul is saying to all of us here is this, understand something. As followers of Jesus Christ, simultaneously we have a scent and a smell. The very nature of our message will attract those, the sweetness of Christ, who are open, that God has prepared, who want to respond to the gospel, who want to say yes to Jesus. It, it's going it's to cause them to respond. But I want you to hear me on this. Too many of us take rejection personally. Our message also divides. Our message also raises up enemies. For those who don't want to repent, they're repulsed by what we have to say. They're inherent in the gospel is an offense. Inherent in the gospel is peace. So you have these two conflicting things. All depends upon the condition of the heart of the hearer. Now I'm going to talk about seven reasons why we should be sharing our faith. But before I get there, I have two quotes from David Platt. He poses a question that we all need to wrestle with as church-going people. He says, is it possible to have all of the trappings of the church and miss the heart of Christ? Is it possible for church people to be so focused on personal comforts and so fearful of the potential cost that they virtually forget the purpose of God among the peoples of the world? It is a shame how small churches can become. And if we're not careful, if we avoid sharing the gospel, if we avoid not focusing on what is the heart of God, we become very incestuous in our Christianity, very picky, very ingrown. We fight over secondary issues, and we get upset about things that have no eternal consequence. And I think Platt is raising the issue of the day. What is most important in terms of what we do and how we approach the gospel? Now, having said that, I want to I raise the two questions that's floating across my mind. Well, is it really important for me to share my faith? I mean, do, do I really have to do it? Is sharing Christ up to me? Isn't my example good enough? I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'm not, I'm not a particularly extroverted person, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm better at serving, and I'm better at hospitality, and I'm better at building relationships with people, and I'm better at those things. Uh, why do I have to speak? Maybe the integrity of my life and the godliness of my life and, and my morality and my character and my honesty, and th th isn't that eloquent enough? Well, I could kind of like beat around the bush, but the short answer is no. You see, the reason why we share our faith is that God is into speaking. God is into declaration. And if I had another message to give in this series, I would, I would talk about how verbalization is always associated with the gospel. It is the gospel message. And articulation and the content of the message go together. Uh, God spoke through Christ. God speaks through his word. And God speaks through us. Now, don't get me wrong. As I said earlier, all of us wrestle with this whole idea of, well, suppose I'm a failure. Suppose it doesn't work. Suppose people don't respond to what I have to say. Suppose they reject me. Suppose I can't land a plane. Well, that, that, those are wrong considerations because we're not responsible for the results. Back in 1978, some of the greatest words I ever heard in my life that liberated me from thinking that I got to land a plane, close the deal. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to know how to be effective in sharing our faith. We need, we need confidence in the tools that we have and this kind of thing. 
But I heard Dr. Bill Bright say, the founder, the late founder and president of Campus Crusade for Christ, he said, success in witnessing is sharing Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results with God. The power is not found in the presentation. The power is found in the message. The power is not found in the messenger. The power is found in the message. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, we need to know how to be effective at sharing our faith, making sure that we get training and exposure and how to do things better. But it's not in your technique that makes you effective. Effectiveness comes from the message. Now, I'm going to walk through these seven reasons, but I want to, I want to underscore before I get there, um, three negative motivations. Uh, these are things that I have seen, and it was highlighted by a, a blog I read just this past week by Chad Hall. I love the way he, he put it together, but these are three little minefields you got to watch out for, three wrong motivations in sharing the gospel. And these three things hover around us, and all of us from time to time have been guilty of these three things. The first negative motivation is insecurity. Insecurity. Um, Jesus does not need to be marketed. Um, high on Jesus' list is not for people to like him. And sometimes we share the gospel because we want to be liked and we want people to like Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. When you look at what the Savior has done, you look at what he offers us, all of that, who would not want to follow him? But, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, be very careful of sharing the gospel out of insecurity, wanting people to stroke you, wanting people to agree with your opinion, the people pleasing that gets into all of that. Uh, dumbing down the content of the message because you want it to be embracing. You don't want people to feel bad. You want to leave with them still liking you, so we, we tone down what we say. Insecurity. That's a bad motivation. A second motivation is one that I'm ashamed of, but it is all around us. It is arrogance. Arrogance. Those of us, those of us who have political interests, I raise my hand, those of us who are interested in some of, the, some of the influence of the reformation of society via the culture war, I got a little interest in that. I raised my hand. We got to be very careful. We have got to be very careful. Very careful. There has been an arrogance that has emerged among Christians over the last 25 or 30 years because of our being repulsed by what the nation is doing, what the moral standard, morality of our country is doing. And we, we've gotten seduced by the devil. We come across mad. We come across dismissive. Our attitudes sometimes are like, look, 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 look. I want to prove that you are one stupid idiot. I'm right and you're wrong. Even some of the apologetic debates that I have listened to over the last 10, 15 years, I sort of cringe. Yeah, you won the fight, but you lost the person. And there's a sense of humility that we must have, we must have when we share the gospel. It's not a statement about us. And we also have to be very careful. Don't treat unbelievers like they're enemies. They're not enemies. They're lost, just like we were. And if we treat them as enemies, we, we, we kind of repel them. We push them out. And too many of us have lost the opportunity to share the gospel because we, 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 we equal the gospel to our political stance and we cut off some liberal Democrats who could have heard the gospel. You don't have to say amen to that. It's true. 
I'm not saying that I embrace those perspectives, but the gospel is greater than our political perspectives. And even, even the moral issues, you got to be careful. Sinners sin because they're sinful. And so arrogance is another issue. The third motivation, wrong motivation, is, is uh, now I'm going to use this term then explain it, narcissism. Narcissism. It has infiltrated all that we do. Narcissus, as the fable goes, was a dude that saw his reflection. And when he saw his reflection, he fell in love with his reflection, so much so that he had to see his reflection in everything that he did. That's the origin of narcissism. It means that nothing has value unless I'm at the center of it. So everything that takes place in life has to be about me. And we have overdosed in a narcissistic society. So we can even share the gospel thinking, thinking that, hey, look, look, I, I won them to Christ. I led them to Jesus. No, no, no. The gospel is not about us. It's not about our performance. It's about a message that has to be delivered. And he's at the center of the gospel. The glory of God is at the center of the gospel. Now, I'm going to click through these seven reasons, biblical reasons, why we should share the gospel. Seven very simple reasons. The very first one is this. It may seem detached from our experience, but the number one reason why we share the gospel is because it spreads God's glory. Spreads God's glory. God is about declaring his glory. Everything that he does in human history is about declaring his glory. It is about his fame. It is about his prominence. It is about his preeminence. It is about his person. It is about his power. Everything that is done, God is about God. God is about God. And we share the gospel because it spreads God's glory. Uh, Paul connects this here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just over the page. Uh, verse 4 says, speaking of those who reject Christ, he says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What best glorifies God is his darling son that is being presented to a lost, broken world. And we share the gospel because we want to make our God famous. We want people to know him. And again, this is my second and last quote from David Platt. I, um, he makes this statement. He says, God is looking for people who are so awed, so captivated, so mesmerized by the glory of God that they will gladly lose their lattes and their lives to make his greatness known in the world. What will give you, now I'm going to give you a hint, I'm going to give you a hint, what will give you boldness in sharing your faith is a vertical focus. When you think that reaching this person has everything to do with me, Ah, you're going to be scared. You're going to be frightened. You're going to be intimidated. You're going to be overwhelmed because it's all about you. But when you understand that it's about our great God, about his power, about his ultimate solution, about honoring his son, oh, that gives you boldness and it gives you courage. So the very first reason why we share our faith is because it extends and it expresses the glory of God. The second reason why we share our faith is a mathematical reason. It's a mathematical reason. Simply stated, it builds God's kingdom. 
It builds God's kingdom. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, remember at the Caesarea of Philippi, and uh, Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. And then in verse 18, Jesus makes a statement. <laughs> and upon this rock, I will build, 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 I will build my church. Upon what rock? The confession that I am the Christ, the son of a living God. You've heard me say this many times here. God is into modeling to a lost world what a redemptive community looks like. Follow me. Nation of Israel. He chose the nation of Israel, not because he's a racist or bigot. He chose the nation of Israel to model in human history what it really meant to serve the God of the universe. Today in his church, with foreshadows his kingdom, we're a kingdom people. We model to an outside world what it means to be loved and forgiven and part of the family of God. And God is about the business of building his church. And the only way his church is built is not through transfer membership, it's through conversion. Getting the story out. And I love that great vision at the end of time over in Revelation chapter 7. John sees this great vision of heaven and listen to what he says in verses 9 and 10. He says, and after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. That great multitude, where did they come from? They came from you. They came from me. I love what my dear friend Josh McDowell says, that his, his life purpose is to take as many people to heaven as he possibly can. God wants to use us to populate heaven, that vision. And the only way that his kingdom is expanded, the only way his kingdom is expanded is through the articulation of the gospel. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and that by the word of Christ. We share the gospel to populate God's kingdom. Now, 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 here's the point. It is God's kingdom. It's not just church growth, although numbers in the church is not wrong. We see numbers in the Bible, and I don't want to go to the other extreme. But the emphasis is not just on, on how many bodies we have, but how many folks will there be in, in the kingdom. The third reason why we share our faith is out of sheer gratitude. I want to go to an interesting text over in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you read the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy, you discover that uh, uh, Timothy had a, probably had a little bit of a problem with fear. In fact, it, you, you know, it's not hard to draw that conclusion. You read those two letters, Timothy probably struggled a little bit with people-pleasing. And uh, Paul is constantly getting in his face a little bit about that and calling him to step as, up as a young leader. We come to 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. And the apostle Paul is underscoring the gratitude that ought to drive him past being intimidated. Beginning at verse 8, says, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, 
not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Do you see what he's doing there? You see what he's doing? He said, look, wait, 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 Timothy, you ought to be grateful. You ought to be emboldened. Well, what are you ashamed of? Do you know what this gospel has done for you? Why are you intimidated? Why are you afraid of what they're going to say about you? The life that you have comes from the Christ who died for you. Are you grateful? The everlasting Son of God died a criminal's death so that we might have eternal life. Our problem is, is that we're too far removed from what Jesus did for us. So, we share the gospel out of profound gratitude. Dr. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy, and we'll conclude this message next week. Today, we've looked at why should we share our faith, and Crawford mentioned three reasons so far. It spreads God's glory. When we share our faith, it builds God's kingdom, and it expresses our gratitude. Crawford, I think the bottom line, though, in all of these reasons is that we should do it out of an urgency. We're compelled to express what God has done. Yeah, it's an urgency that is really anchored to grace and what God has done for us. You know, Bill, how can we be ashamed Mm. of what has transformed our lives? Mm. When you stop to think about that, that propels us to overcome our apprehensions and fears. You know, I, I will never be ashamed of my mother or my father because of all that they've done for me. They sacrificed for me. And uh, how much more should we be bold and uh, take the initiative because of our profound gratitude that we will live forever in his presence? And why wouldn't we want others to have that experience? Crawford, I'm thinking that somebody right now has probably, um, they're listening, they've heard this message, and they go, you know, I've, I've never really thought about sharing my faith at all. How can they start today? Well, I, I think one of the, the place to start is on our knees, believe it or not. The place to start is on our knees and just mm-hmm. articulating to God our profound gratitude to him for what he's done for us. And that's a half a click away from propelling us to say, well, why don't we share that with mm-hmm. others? All right. Thank you so much, Crawford. Well, this has been a great start to the list of reasons for sharing our faith. And we hope that you'll join us again next week at this same time as we finish this message first presented at Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. Well, it's so good to receive emails from listeners to tell us how God is using these messages to expand their understanding of the Bible and the Christian life. And if this is true for you, take a moment and let us know. You can reach us through email, our address, legacy at moody.edu. And here's a note we received from Rich, who writes, Hi Crawford, I listen to your program every Sunday morning before going to my local church. It's so inspiring. Sometimes your approach to God and intimacy with Him is so refreshing. I also appreciate your willingness to rebuke Christians, including myself, when we don't seek God deeply from the heart. Well, thank you so much for that email, and we hope to hear from you when you send it to legacy at moody.edu. If you missed out on the beginning of our program, you can hear this complete message on our website. Go to livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. And here's another option. You can download Crawford's messages for free. Look for the MP3 link on our website, livingalegacy.org. 
for Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being part of our study today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.